Yeah, the, uh, the lesson I learned is don't uh, throw snowballs uh, at, at 100 Afghan kids. When there's no grass, it's just gravel, and the snowballs have gravel in them. Um, I was the first patient of our new clinic. Uh, so, uh, and I forgot to mention this. Um, so you guys paid for not just the clinic, but you also have hired uh, 11 doctors and nurses that go out there and staff it. You pay their salaries. Um, you also not just built a school, but you also have hired teachers for two sessions double sessions, which allows girls to go to school for the first time in that part of the country, which is awesome. And I, and I, and I keep saying that you guys dug a well, but it actually, I found out, we dug three wells, uh, which is going to allow water for the entire community. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really, really good thing. It's all, it's all about hope. So thank you. And uh, uh, we have two trips going in, in March and, and April, and then we have uh, two or three trips going later in the year. So just, just be praying about whether you're, you're supposed to be one of those people. Um, hey, uh, last week we wrapped up a series in here, let's kind of get into this, uh, a series of talks that Scott and I called Panic, where we, we kind of looked at our tendency to, to hit a panic button when things go bad or go wrong in our life, and sometimes the reason they go bad is it's our fault, and sometimes it's somebody else's fault, and sometimes we actually feel like it's God's fault, but the, the takeaway from, the, from that series was simply this, it's really a question, if there really is a God, if you're in on that, and you think he's good, um, then why do we keep on doing the things we do? Why do we keep on repeating the same behaviors and why do we choose to go after or run after the the things that we tend to choose and run after either out of panic or out of fear if God really is good? And that's kind of segues and sets up this new series that we're going to do uh, called Hide and Seek. We're going to continue to look at the same questions. Why do we do the things we do and make the choices we make? Um, And why do we not just run after uh, certain things or seek certain things? But I want to look at some of the things that that we hide from or, or, or run away from. So we're calling this series hide and seek, which would be a pretty good description of the way that a lot of us live our lives in some areas, especially like money or family or or sex, to name a few. Um, We're looking for something. We're we're seeking something. And the flip side of that is a lot of us are trying to hide from something or avoid things. And I'd even go a step further and say that there's a lot of us in in this room that as we are seeking things and hiding things, um, at the top of that list um, is God. Some of us are looking for God. Some of us are trying to avoid him. And, and that'll, make, that'll make more sense in a few minutes, but I think it would be safe to say, and I think I speak for everyone in the room, that none of us really set out to screw up our lives. Anybody? I mean, nobody, you know, got a credit card hoping this is the first step in bankruptcy. Let's go for it. No, none of us hope to do that, you know. None of us, none of us got married, you know, looking at, you know, down that aisle and going, you know, I think this has a shelf life of about three years, and then it's probably going to go bad and I'll get another one. You know, none of us did that, I hope, <laughs> Um, none of us went to high school or college, you know, hoping to be that guy that, that got all the DUIs. Nobody went for that, you know. Nobody, you know, goes to, you know, to college or, you know, or hopes to be that, that girl that everybody, you know, whispers about. She's the one, you know, that, and fill in the blank. None of us really tried to get addicted, did we? I mean, none of us, you know, set out to get arrested. Nobody has, none of us got in the car and went on a journey and, with the hope of maybe I'll get lost. That'd be great. And nobody starts out or sets out hoping to avoid God or end up hiding from him. And last week, God asked this question, um, what are you doing here? And here might mean different things to you, but if here is not a really great place, probably the way that you got there was in little steps. For you, what about Bob fans? Baby steps, right? We didn't get there all at once. It's just little things, doing things, you know, that at first, they, they, they don't even seem significant. They're, they're, no, they're no big deal, but play them out for a little while and add them all up and it changed our whole life, right? 
I, I got an email this past week. It's a perfect example of how just one small, you know, mistake can change everything, all right? Somebody sent me a, a copy, uh, an email, and attached to it was a copy of what they claimed to be um, Scott, our teaching pastor, uh, his third grade essay, a, a paper that he wrote on horses, all right? So I get that. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know, Scott's from Kentucky. You know, I'm sure that in Kentucky schools, they, they, they make him write papers on horses. So, but I got to be honest with you, other than that, I didn't do any, any more research to, to authenticate this. I was, I was actually afraid that it, it wasn't Scott's so, uh, and it wouldn't be nearly as funny if it wasn't Scott. So, um, it's Scott. All right. Um, uh, so, let me read Scott's first masterpiece on horses, which um, uh, we're going to find out that switching small, insignificant letters changes everything. Let's just read along. All right. I like whores. Whores have other whores friends. Whores like carrots. See, you learned something in church. I didn't know that, all right? You wouldn't think they could, but they can put their legs straight up. Whores make you feel good. My dad wants a horse, but my mom says no. When I am 16 or 20, I'm going to buy my own horse. That's our Scotty, right? Now, now here's the thing. Here's the truth. You can read that and go, well, you know, Scotty's just not real smart, you know? And, uh, I mean, and, and it's understandable. I mean, he, he swapped a couple letters, you know, and he didn't mean to actually say what he said. But, um, and you can even look and go, I know, I, you know what, if I, can, I actually know what he was trying to say. And, but what he actually said was very, very different. And I, and I use that example for two reasons. One, it's just funny, all right? <laughs> Uh, that's good enough for me. But two is that um, a, a lot of us, I think, end up in places with one another uh, and especially with God because um, just little mistakes in our life that on their own don't really seem that big of a deal. But a couple of things get switched around and a couple of things kind of get turned upside down and we make a couple of little bad decisions, baby steps really, and, and now things are really screwed up. And a lot of us, that's our story. I want to look at, kind of redeem myself and look at a Bible story rather than Scott's pornography. Um, <laughs> if you have a Bible with you, and by the way, we always have free Bibles that you can take home outside the doors, um, but it's going to be on the screens. I don't think it's in your program tonight. There's some other verses we'll get to, but um, turn to the very front of the Bible to the book called Genesis. So there's like a table of contents and then Genesis, which is the, the, the Bible word for beginning. And we're going to look at a really famous story of these two people. Um, their names are Adam and Eve, and they, made, they, they kind of got into this weird hide-and-seek game with God, and they made some decisions that had some pretty serious consequences. Now, time out here as you're looking for that. It's on page one, by the way. Okay, so anyway, um, here's the thing is, I know that this church and this room represents a really wide you know, background of, uh, of, of, of church, you know, experience or no experience or whatever, and, and, and we have different opinions about the Bible, especially these first couple chapters. I mean, we're all over the place. You know, some of us are going, I think it happened in six days. And some say, no, I think it was six trillion years and whatever, uh, and, and how people came to be here. Now, now, here's the thing, all right? Take a breath, okay? Um, I, I got to say, I think it's true. I do. You know, if that disappoints you, you know, pray for me. But I really think that what we're about to read is how it actually happens. But if you're here tonight and you go, I can't get there. You know, I just don't think science agrees with that and whatever, right? You think this is a metaphor or kind of a fictional symbolic story, not a historical account. Hey, tonight, that's all right. Just don't get hung up there, 
okay? Um, here's, what I, here's what I'm going to ask you to do for a few minutes. Can you kind of set aside your hang-ups and just kind of skip over this and ask God to teach you the truth that's in here, okay? Uh, about the hide-and-seek game that we tend to play thousands of years later with ourselves and with other people and especially with God. Can we do that? We kind of set this up. Um, God has just created the heavens and the earth, populated the planet with, you know, uh, vegetation and animals and fish and birds. And, and the first people, and their names are Adam and Eve. Now, we're going to pick up this story. God, you know, God and Adam and Eve are, are tight. Everything's good. They're in this garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. The serpent, he, he said to the woman, now time out. Some of us are going, I'm out. There, it falls apart for me right there. It starts with a talking snake. That's just weird. I'm with you. Okay, I, I'm with you. I, I, I agree, all right? But just, just again, take a breath, all right? We find out later in the Bible that the serpent is actually Satan, a rebellious angel whose attempt to overthrow God, he had a big ego and he wanted to be God, had failed and he'd been kicked out of the presence of God. And now, kind of as a way to get back at God, he's trying to ruin everything God's created, right? He can't, he can't hurt God. I mean, who can hurt God? So what he's going to do is, I'm going to hurt everything that's important to God, especially us. Us, okay? Now, now here's what we know, uh, at least what I know about Satan, according to the Bible. He's not that little guy, with, red guy with horns and a pitchfork and, and that, that, that tail. That's, that's Disney or something, all right? The Bible describes him as one of the most beautiful, most attractive creations in the universe. He's beautiful. And his main tactic is deception. He's a liar, He's a liar. We'll talk about more of that in a minute. And he uses anything he can, including changing to whatever appearance he thinks might trip you up best. You know, if you like steak, he's not going to be liver. Does that make sense? Uh, so he's going to, whatever, whatever he needs to be to, to mess you up, that's what he's going to be. Now, through the Bible, we get some descriptions or kind of a job description of, of what's, who Satan is and what he's like. A guy named Paul writes this, okay? He says, and he's talking to, to, to people like us, he says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the certain serpent's cunning... Your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Basically, he's saying, be careful. He's going to mess with your head. He's going to lead you astray. Later, at the very end of the Bible, a guy named John writes this. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. And here's what he does. Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. He came and about a third of the angels came with him because they tried to overthrow God. And God just went, blew him away. All right? A guy named Peter writes this even later than that. He says... Um, and again, to followers of Jesus, he says, hey, I want you to be self-controlled and alert. In other words, wake up. Okay, wait, do not fall asleep. You got you to you be on, on, on the alert. Your enemy, that's important, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, here's what we know about Satan, the devil. He's described as a cold-blooded serpent, but he's smart. He's cunning. A lot of us are going, that devil's so stupid. I even saw a t-shirt, you know, you know the devil is stupid. He's not He's not. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says don't mess with him. Don't taunt him, all right? His purpose is to lead astray and deceive. He prowls around like a lion, looking, seeking for someone to devour, consume, destroy, kill, all right? And no matter, get this, you might want to write this down. No matter what you hear about him or from him, he is your enemy. He is your enemy. This is Jesus speaking, okay? And he's talking to some hypocritical religious people that he's just caught in a big lie. He says this, hey, you liars, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He, Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning, which is what we're going to look at today. Not holding to the truth, for there is, what's the word? 
no truth in him. It's not like, well, there's something, you know, these are not that many. There's no truth in him. I love this. When he lies, he speaks his native language. I speak English, he speaks lie, all right? For he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, you got to get this, all right? Because this is so important to what we're going to talk about today. Whenever, whatever the devil says to you, whatever that voice, you know, that says you don't need God or whatever, it's a lie. Now, here's the thing about his lie. It has some truth sprinkled in it. It's not all a lie. There's just enough truth in there to say, well, that sounds, you know, pretty good. But, but make no mistake, his agenda is your destruction, your death, either, either physically, relationally, definitely spiritually. So back to the sword. Sorry, we're playing hide and seek. Satan comes seeking Eve. So Satan says this to her. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, this is one of Satan's specialties, all right? And he's used this one on me a lot. He's trying to get me to question, am I, do I really understand God? Am I really connected with him? He says stuff like this. You ever had this question? Um, does the Bible really say that? Really? And you're like, uh, well, I, you know, I think it's in there. Somebody told me it was in there. But I'm not really sure where it is. Or, well, are you sure that's what it means? You know, there's a lot of translations out there. And it was written like 3,000 years ago. And it might have, you know, changed. In the, you ever heard that one? Or, uh, all right, so God said that, but do, do you really think that God would create you like that and then send you to hell? For, I mean, we all heard that, right? Do you ever think God would do this and then turn around and do this? Do you think really, how could a God of love ever be responsible for stuff like that? Sound familiar? Here's another specialty of Satan's, misquoting God. He looks at Eve and he says, uh, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's not what he said. If you read chapter two, God says, hey, there's one tree, don't eat from it. That's all he said. That's all he said. God is not anti-tree, okay? A lot of us, you know, he's like, oh, he hates trees, you know? It's just like he hates money. He doesn't want us to be rich because rich people are evil. Or he doesn't want us to, uh, he hates fun. You don't have any fun. Or, you know, he hates sex. Don't ever have sex because, you know, you'll go crazy or something like that. No, that's not God. See, Satan is, he's, he's quoting God, but it's enough truth to make you listen, but not true enough to be true. See, if, if Satan can get us to believe that God is one big cosmic killjoy, if God is kind of say, you know, I'm kind of a control freak party pooper and I'm going to try to spoil your life, then maybe you'll sit here and go, well, maybe God's not who I thought he was or needed him to be. Maybe I'll rethink it. And Eve responds, okay? The, serpent said, uh, the woman said to the serpent, um, we, actually, we may eat from the trees in the garden, which is true. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, which is true, all right? But she should have stopped there. She just keeps on going. And, and she's making this up, by the way, and you must not touch it or you will die, okay? And if you read chapter 2, that's not what God said at all. She gets it half right, but she just decides, you know what? I'm going to put some more words in God's mouth. And, and he didn't say this, but he should have. You ever been to that church? God didn't say this, but I think he meant to, so let me kind of speak on behalf of God, put words in God's mouth. I, and I've heard every sermon like that, everything from thou shalt not dance or drink alcohol, by the way, both of which Jesus did, all the way to thou shalt go on a crusade and kill Muslims because that's what Jesus wants you to do, which in reality, Jesus said the opposite. Please don't do things like that, especially in my name. But the next line is, is Satan's specialty. He's used this one on me a lot. You will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, translated, um, God's a liar. That's just not true. You won't get in trouble. You won't get hurt. It's just not not true. And here's why. Because Satan is looking out for her. What a great guy, all right? For God knows, let me just kind of give you the scoop on God, because he didn't tell you this. God knows that when you eat of it, 
your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, here's the thing. Satan's telling her the truth. Kind of. Well, and here's what I mean by that. See, Satan, when he says your eyes will be open and you'll know good from evil, kind of like God knows, this is, he knows, this is what he means. Your eyes will be open and you'll have knowledge and experience of total good. You'll be able to experience total good, which, by the way, you already have. You live in paradise. But you'll also, all right, you'll have full knowledge and experience of what full evil feels like. And once you experience that, I got to tell you, you'll, you'll never be the same. And the good that you have now, you can't have anymore. You'll lose it and you can't go back and it'll kill you. He leaves that part out. Just like he left that part out on you. Right? He leaves it out. Hide and seek. He came looking for her. He lays the trap. And he baits her. Hey, there's something better than God out there. Now, now Eve's listening to this, and here's what she thought, all right? You can be like God. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? You can be like God, and here's what I mean by that. You can have control of your own life. I've been waiting for that since I was 16, right? I want to be in control of my, my own life. I can be my own person. I can do what I want to do. Nobody's my boss, all right? Who doesn't want that? So here's what she does. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, it was, and pleasing to the eye, I mean, it's awesome, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, I mean, she wants to be a smart person. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was, what's the next word? With her. With her. You know, I kind of grew up thinking that like Adam was out like swimming or something like that and came home and Eve like snuck some apple salad in on dinner. You know, I was like, I had no idea, you know, but that's not true. Eve's having the conversation. Adam's like, what? Uh, okay, I'll eat it too. So he, they, both, they both eat it, okay? Hide and seek. Satan comes seeking Adam and Eve. Why? Same reason he always seeks you and me. He wants to deceive us and destroy our lives. Adam and Eve were looking for something too. They were looking for a better life. I mean, who doesn't want that? I mean, who, who doesn't want something that looks good? I mean, I, I see something good, I want it. I, I, I look at something and it promises that it'll make me feel better. I want that. Who doesn't want that? I mean, I, 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 something that promises to, to better my life and make me wiser. I mean, nobody wants to miss out on the good stuff. And if I kind of have an aha moment here, it's like this. Why has God been keeping the good stuff from me? Maybe he's not that good. Or maybe he's not looking out for my good. And maybe I need to kind of take it in my own hands. Now read on, verse 7. When the eyes of both of then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, Satan had told the truth. Hey, your eyes will be open. Well, they were. And they would never see anything again the same way. It's gonna be different. It says they realized they were naked, translated, they became conscious, they were exposed and vulnerable. They were embarrassed. They became insecure. All at once they felt a need to cover all their flaws. All of a sudden, they were like, do I look okay? Is this all right? Do you like me? Do you not like me? Am I doing it right? i got to hide it because you might find a fault in me. Adam and Eve went looking for the right things. I was looking for independence. I was looking for, you know, for, for happiness. I was looking for control. But what they found was fear. What they found was shame and a lot more. And again, let's just be honest. Isn't that some of our stories? We were so sure. This is my story anyway. I was so sure that if I could get that or have that or achieve that or sleep with that person or whatever that is, that the moment that happened, my life would just get that much better. And can you relate to me? The moment it happened, the nanosecond it was over, you, you sat there, stood there, laid there, whatever, and went, oh, no. What have I done? Right? I mean, the moment that you did, you, I mean, it's like, oh, what, what have I done? This was a mistake. What I thought was going to be the, the, the solution to all my problems just made everything worse. Anybody? Me too? Verse 8. 
It gets worse. Here it is. Ready? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God's coming this way. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Apparently, up to this point, Adam and Eve had unlimited access to God. How cool would that be? Around here, we just say they were connected. They were connected to God. They were friends. There was no fear. If they had a question, they'd go, hey, God. He'd go, what? If they needed something, he was, he was right there. There was no fear. There was no shame. There was no, i got to hide in the bushes. But now they're trying to hide. What changed? Everything. But God's so smart. Look what he does. Verse 9. The Lord God called out to the man, where are you? He answered, uh, which is weird in hide and seek, but have you ever played hide and seek with like a three-year-old? Where are you? I'm behind the chair. You know, it's, it's just crazy, all right? The Lord God called the man, where are you? And, he, and Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was, a na- uh, I was naked. So I hid. God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Time out. Question. Did God know where Adam was? Yeah, Adam, he wouldn't walk around the garden going, now where'd those kids go? Have you seen two naked guys walking around? I mean, you know, it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't that at all. Second question, did God know what they had done? Yeah. Absolutely, a- absolutely. Uh, you know, the question is then, um, why is he asking questions? Why are there 20 questions? Where are, yeah, three questions, actually. Where are you? What have you done? Why? Why, why are you asking questions? And the answer is, because he wants them back. He knows where you are. He knows what you've done. He's giving you a chance to come clean. Because the truth is, because he knows where you are and knows what you've done, God could have walked in, uh, walked in and gone, hey, uh, I saw what you've done. Go to hell. I'll find a better Adam and Eve. Right? He could have said that. He had every right to say But apparently that's not his agenda in this story or our story. You know, either he has a different agenda or um, he's playing a really cruel game with them. But it's not him playing the game. Adam and Eve are playing the game. They're about to start a game called the blame game. See if this sounds familiar. God says, what have you done? Or like last week, what are you doing here? Here's the answer. The man said, (laughs) the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and and I ate it. Here's the man's response. It's her fault. It's the woman's fault. It's not really just the woman's fault. It's the woman that you put here, God. You know, I I, I would never have done that. But, you know, you put that woman in my life and now I blame God. I blame anybody. Just don't blame me. Now, it's not a guy thing ladies. All right? It's just a human thing. I'm again, because how many of us would sit in this room and go, that's my story? We wouldn't admit this, but we make this huge mistake in our life, and our first response is start pointing fingers at everybody else, right? You know, if, if he had done what he was supposed to do, then I wouldn't have had to do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that, but he kind of made me do it. If she had just, you know, done what she said she was going to do, here's, a, here's a, a big man one, all right? If she hadn't worn that outfit, then I wouldn't have looked. You know, and then I wouldn't have been tempted, but I'm only human. I'm just a guy. It's really not my fault, you know. And here's one. If my parents were better parents, right? If my kids would just do what they're supposed to do, then I wouldn't be going crazy and I wouldn't have done that to her or wouldn't have hit him or, or whatever. And here's the big one. God, you know, you could have stopped this. You know, God, if you hadn't made me feel these feelings I have, if you hadn't made that thing, like, feel so great, or if you kept me from feeling like that, if God, if you had made him act different, I've had so many people come to me and go, if God didn't want me to do that, he would make me, he would take away the feelings. It's just not true. It's just, it's just not true. It's not really my fault. God, it's kind of your fault. Adam blames God, blames Eve, blames everybody. And Eve gets on the game, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. This is the chronic, the devil made me do it, which is not true. It's just not true. See, the devil 
cannot make you do anything. You've been to too many movies, all right? The devil cannot make you do anything that you choose not to do. Remember last week, there, there's this promise from God that goes like this. No temptation is going to come into your life except what we've all gone through. And God is faithful, opposite of liar. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, and you will be, by the way, he will either, all right, support you, weightlifting. He'll spot you. He won't let it crush you, or he'll pull you out. Promise. He won't let you suffer through more than what you can handle, or he's a liar. See, the devil tricked her. Absolutely. People have deceived you in your life and told you half-truths and stuff like that, but her decision. Her decision. Now, let's kind of review this little game of hide-and-seek that they're playing and that I tend to play. See, this is their life and this is my life. You ever feel like evil just comes seeking you? You didn't, you didn't set out to go, you know, screw up anything. It's like evil came looking for you, and sometimes I feel like I'm surrounded on all sides by things and people that promise to give me what I need, right? Or give me what I, what I deserve that will lead to a better life, and that's what I'm looking for, aren't you? I'm seeking, I'm looking for a better way to live my life. That's why we get up in the morning, go to school, or go to work, because we believe if we do that well enough, it'll lead to a better life. we told that all our life. It's why we do the things we do and choose the things we choose and go the places we go and hang out with the people that we hang out with because we think that by doing that, making the choices and decisions, that's a good path to get us to a better life. And then God comes along and says, um, could I speak into this? Because um, I made you. This is all my idea. And I know how things work best. And if you'll just seek me, follow me, I'm telling you, I promise, I'll take you to a better life. Jesus called it an abundant life. It won't be an easy life. He never promised that. Uh, it won't be a fun life all the time. It, there'll be times when it won't even make sense. He just says it'll be better. But you get to choose. We say this all the time in here. Choice is yours. Which one are you going to believe? Two deals on the table. God says this is a better way to live your life and something else. Which one do you want? Which one do you think will take you to a better life? Now, here's the thing, all right? Application time. I think... If I could divide this room up into categories, I think there are three categories of people in here tonight. Now, there might be more. You might come up with four or five more, but I'm the pastor. It's my sermon. There are three, okay? And here it is, all right? Group one, those of us who've chosen to believe God. We saw the two deals on the table. God said this is a better way to do marriage or finance or sex or just whatever, okay? This is what God said is better, and this is what somebody else or something else said is better. We picked this, and it's, and it's going pretty well. We're not perfect, but we're trying to follow him, and we're trying to do it his way, and, and, and it's tough, but you know what? It, so far, it's working out pretty, pretty good, and so if that's you tonight, awesome, all right? Group two is those of us, kind of like group one, who have chosen God's deal. You know, we went with God's deal on marriage. We went with God's deal on this or that or whatever, but now we're kind of rethinking it. Was that the best deal? And here's why. Because we went with God's deal, and we kind of grew up thinking this was a better way. But now, you know what? It's really not as fun as we thought it was going to be. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's actually kind of tougher than we thought it was going to be. And here's the big one. Some of our friends went with the other deal, and they're fine. You know, that whole, you know, you, you know you, you'll, you'll die, or you'll lose this, or you'll get divorced. They didn't. They're, they're doing fine. They're not going bankrupt. They're not going to prison. They don't have a disease. You know, they're not, they're not you know, they're, they're, they're fine. So you're sitting here going, I chose God, but now there's something over there. I, I told you back at Christmas, I got a puppy for Christmas. We named her Satan. She's better now. We've given her a real name, but uh, we're trying to train her. She's this little yellow lab. She was 16 pounds, and uh, so I'm trying to teach her to stay in the yard. 
Okay, I'm the master, she's the dog, stay. And she does, she does as well as a 14-week-old puppy can, can do, all right? Which means she'll stay there until anything else happens. All right? Like, um, she, stay. You know, her name's Gertie, okay? Stay. And she's like, okay. And then um, a leaf will blow by. Or um, a rabbit will blow by. Or air will blow by. Any, you know. And then she's like, you can just see her. She starts shaking. And all of a sudden, boom, she just bolts. I think, all right, a lot of us are kind of like uh, uh, that little puppy going, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <gasps> and we're about to bolt. We're in our marriage. We're in this. We're in that, wherever. But something has already caught our eye over there, and we are this close to rethinking everything, right? And group three kind of looks like this. Um, two deals on the table. Here's God's deal. We took this one. And tonight, or over the last week, weeks or months or years, um, kind of the lights have come on, and we realize that was a bad decision. I made a bad choice. And here's what makes it worse. Rather than run back to God, because eventually, you know, if I have a good, a good enough snack, Gertie comes home, okay? But rather than run back to God, you know what a lot of us are doing? We're playing hide and seek with God. We're doing what Adam and Eve do. We're blaming everybody, right? I mean, if he would have kept his promise and if she would have just get off my back and if that wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have had to fill in the blank. Lied, cheated, stolen. I wouldn't have had to hit her right? Blaming everybody else. We make excuses. You know, if things were different, if I had more money, if, if things were fair, if God would make that stop or make that start, then maybe I would stop or start. And besides that, when we play it down, it's no big deal. I mean, it's just one drink or it's just one time or it doesn't mean anything or we hide. We're good at hiding, aren't we? I am. I try to hide from myself, right? We, we, we hide behind alcohol or drugs or sarcasm or success. If I get a big enough house or something, like that, maybe I can hide in that big enough house or and erase the reality. We hide behind our past by repeating the same choices and behaviors over and over, which doesn't make sense. It's actually the definition of insanity. But we did something, and it was bad. But something in our mind says, if I do it 20 more times, maybe it won't feel as bad. Right? Or maybe we'll convince ourselves it wasn't that bad. Here's the big one, though. It's trying to hide from God, which when you say out loud, just doesn't work. But there's something in our minds that thinks, if I ignore God or pretend like he's not there, maybe he won't be. That's like standing in the middle of a highway saying, there is no truck, there is no truck. Oh, there is no truck, there is no truck, because if there is a truck, I am about to get creamed, right? Um, Which takes us back to the beginning of the story. There's these little voices inside our head or in our heart, you know. And you can call them Satan, or you can call them other people, or or you can just be your own conscious or whatever. And that voice is saying, you know, what you did is wrong, which is true. And the voice goes on and says something like this, and God is going to punish you. Again, that's true. But if the voice stops there, it's only half the truth, and half the truth is a lie. Does that make sense? All that is true, but if you don't complete the story, then you've told a lie. Because the whole story, the message of the Bible, is not God's going to get you, and there's punishment coming. The message of the Bible, the message of Jesus Christ is love is available to everybody no matter what you've done. That's how we started this night, right? See, if you keep reading the rest of the story, even Genesis chapter 3, the, the, the next verse is God announces there's going to be consequences for what you've done because you, you really trusted somebody else other than me to give you a better life. I think the Bible word for those consequences is you're lost. You're, you're disconnected. You're cut off. But God immediately sets in motion a plan for being found. He, he goes to work to make it possible at great expense to himself that your and my past mistakes are forgivable. 
that reconnection is possible. As a matter of fact, two verses after Adam and Eve hide in the bushes, God promises, one day I'm going to make this right. And a few hundred years later, a guy named Jesus Christ showed up and made it right. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible is this. It's maybe your second time coming to church or your grandma drug you off to church and you're a kid. I bet this verse was said. Let's just read it together uh, out loud. It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Perish means you're cut off. You need to go hide. He says, no, no, no. You know know what you call that verse uh, in hide-and-seek? Listen, when I was a kid, you know what you call that verse? Ollie, ollie, oxen free. Translated, um, you don't have to hide anymore. It's actually safe to come home, Right? Well, I'll be honest, you know what the, the worst part about uh, playing hide-and-seek was for me as a little kid? Um, here it is, really, this is going to sound weird. When you hide and nobody finds you. <laughs> right? I mean, that sounds like, well, isn't that the goal of the game? I guess technically, but, you know, you hide long enough, it gets old really fast. And, and I hide, every, I, in five minutes I have to pee. So it's just miserable, you know. Uh, so here I am, I'm hiding in the bushes or hiding in the car or something like that, and it's been a long time and nobody has found me. You know what I always remember doing? Shaking a branch or coughing over here, right? Because <laughs> it really stinks to not be found. Actually, the worst game of hide-and-seek I ever played was when I was hiding, and I found out that while I was hiding, everybody had stopped looking for me and gone home. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just embarrassing, but... It hurts my feelings, but it also made me, I felt really stupid. Like I wasn't in on the joke. Now, I can't prove this, but I wonder. This may not apply to you, but I wonder if part of the reason that so many of us showed up in this room tonight is that we're hoping God's still looking for us. Right? And that he wants us back. And maybe by just getting in our cars and driving over here, Tonight, it's kind of like shaking a branch and coughing and saying, hey, God, I'm over here. Please don't stop looking for me. Is that your story tonight? I want to close uh, by reading a poem that a guy named King David, you might have heard of him, he wrote this. Um, he's a guy who knew exactly what God wanted him to do. He looked back at God and said, nope, I have a better plan. And that plan led him into an affair. And then his, his baby died and he was convicted of murder. Um, it didn't really work out for him. But as he's kind of hiding from God, here's what he discovered. He wrote this this little song. It goes like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Answer, nowhere. Nowhere. He just makes a list. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me, um, reach out to me. Your your, your right hand will, will hold me fast. That's why we sing that song, Oh No, You Never Let Go, so much in here. He, you run from God. He doesn't mean he's running from you. He's probably following you. If I say, uh, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, meaning I have screwed up so bad, I'm sure that I am blotted out from God. He can't even find me in my mess down here. Say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, for the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I don't know uh, what choices that you've made in your life. I know what I've made in my life. And I've spent a lot of my life blaming other people and making excuses, blaming God. 
But, but tonight, let's just be honest with yourself, all right? Um, if hiding from God describes you, I'm hiding because I, I'm afraid of Him or I'm a, ashamed of what I've done or I just feel guilty, I think God brought you in this room for one deep statement. Ready? Here it is. Ollie, all the oxen free. Um, it's safe to come home. It really is. Because you can't hide from God. My, the last thing I want to ask you is, why would you want to if he's really a good God? So I don't know how to apply this more than that, so you're going to have to pray through that. And, but I think you, you already know what God wants to tell you tonight. I'm going I'm to pray, uh, just a quick prayer, and then uh, Buffy's going to lead us in this great worship song. It's called Love Song. Great, just read the lyrics. Um, if you want to stand up, you know, uh, if you want to kneel down, if you want to pray, if you want to go over to those little tables around the room that have bread and juice and just say, hey, thank you. Like we sang earlier, thank you for saving me. Um, you, you do what you want. Let, let, me, uh, let me pray. We'll sing a song and, and we'll go home. Let, let's pray. God, um, I, I got to be honest with you, God. I, I, I've given you every reason to look at me and say, I saw what you did. You're out. You have yet to say that to me. And i got to be honest with you, God. I know what I should do and what I ought to do and what I was supposed to do. I knew it when I did it or didn't do it. Um, and if I was you, I would treat me much differently than, than you do. But you're better than me. You love me more than I love me. You care. You're more forgiving. You're more graceful. Are there consequences of my actions? Absolutely, but they're not consequences that condemn me because you want me back. And the message of this place and of your son Jesus is everybody gets another chance and everybody can get reconnected to God even if we're hiding from him tonight. And I pray that we stop hiding. And I pray that tonight, even in this prayer and in this next song, somebody in this room would kind of shake the bushes and offer up a prayer that goes, hey God, I'm over here. Please don't stop looking for me because I need you in my life. Will you just speak to us as we sing this song? That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.